Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Still looking at the seven churches. Hanging on to the church of Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania should probably work on that a little bit. I hear the crime is is uh, quite high in Philadelphia. Maybe uh, Fort Morgan ought to work on that too. Maybe Platte Valley ought to work on that a little bit. <coughs> this uh, city of brotherly love. It's been fun. I fun. It's it, it is fun to study. I I enjoy the historical side of some of this and and um, the so much about the Church of Philadelphia fits with uh, what we are um, and I want us just I, I pray that we'll get better and do things better obviously that takes all of us walking closely with God right but I do believe that that uh, there's much that describes Philadelphia that could describe our church and one of those, it was a, uh, it was in an agricultural area, and so they um, uh, grew a lot of grapes in that area, and so they were those that were farmers and, and understood the, the agricultural uh, aspects of that that uh, area, and tells us also though that uh, the city was right on an earthquake fault. And so there were times, uh, actually one time, if you recall, I, we preached last week on Sardis, and Sardis was the city that was up into the cliffs, and the other part was down in the valley. Well, there, there was an earthquake that came in and, and completely wiped out the city of Sardis, and uh, it, it was quite the, uh, the uh, earthquake and wiped out many of the cities in that surrounding area, and didn't completely wipe out uh, uh, Philadelphia, but uh, came close to doing so. And it said that for years after that, that they would uh, get all the tremors that took place from that earthquake. And, and so they would, you know, have to uh, run outside, you know, to get away from things, you know, and uh, during those earthquake tremors. And, and you need to remember all of that because as God deals with them, some of the, the symbolism that he has there represents what they're used to and, and uh, what they, they are running into in their lives. And, but there's some wonderful things about the Church of Philadelphia. And matter of fact, God doesn't say one bad thing about the church that was in Philadelphia. And wouldn't that be great if, if we could serve God like this church at Philadelphia to where God doesn't bring any condemnation upon us, but only good things to say about our church members. And, and it takes all of us understanding God's word and, and applying it to the best we can. And this church wasn't perfect, and neither are we, but God still praised them for what they were doing. And it is exactly what, what we can do too. And, and I think we're, we're on that path. We're, we're on that, that direction of doing those things. And, and so let's just look at this, and we'll get out of here after at a timely fashion and, and just see what God has to say about the Church of Philadelphia. He, all, as he does all of these, we see the recipient here in verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. So to the pastor that uh, is, is uh, the overseer of the church there in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? These things saith he that is holy, and we know the holy one, the sacred one, Jesus himself, he that is true, and and there, there are a couple of words here for truth, and we have the truth, and but then we have the true one, and that's what this is. This is the, the true one, the, the true Jesus, all right, the true Messiah, the, the, the true one, not the false one, and he that hath the key of David, and, and 
the key of David has the, uh, the ideas of sovereign authority and uh, directly to the, the heir of David. And Jesus has sovereign authority, and, and he's showing us this here, that he has sovereign authority over the nation of Israel, and he has the sovereign authority over the church of Jesus Christ. He's the one, and, and it's still true today for all of us that Jesus is the one that has sole authority over we as a church body, and, and we need to constantly making sure that we as a, as a whole of a body, that, that we are moving forward and telling people about Jesus and encouraging them to trust Jesus as their Savior and then to walk in a way that brings honor and glory to our Savior. It's not about us, but it's always about Jesus. And Jesus is the only one with the authority to open and close the doors to the kingdom of heaven. Now, you, you need to realize that as we get into this in the next uh, couple of verses, that there was a Jewish synagogue in this church of Philadelphia. Well, these Jews at the time had found themselves and thought themselves that they, as the chosen nation of Israel, they're the ones that had the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And it was only through Judaism and through their practices of the laws and, and all of the laws that they had added to that and, and in their religion that the only way to heaven was through their religion and we know that was never the case and Jesus is going to make that quite evident in this. But And, and so first thing that he does is he introduces himself and, and in doing so it's in contrast to to what the, the Jewish synagogue has been teaching. Well, we also know then because of that that obviously they were causing a lot of problems to the true church that was there in Philadelphia. And so he goes, and so we see that description of Christ, and, and we see that, that he's uh, reminding them of who he is, and so let us never forget who Jesus is and why we serve him. Well, then he goes into verse 8, and we see the con commendation here. He says, I know thy works. I, 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 there, there are several different New Testament words for know, and, and this one has the idea that, that he understands us. Isn't that good to know? That, that he understands who we are. He, he understands our heart motives. He, he understands what it, what it is that, that we really are wanting to accomplish, and maybe we fail in that, or maybe we are reacting out of exuberance and, and not so much uh, all of the knowledge that we need to have at the moment, but, but he knows that our intents are right, and, and he knows that, that we are trying to, to do the right thing in our lives, and, and that's what he's telling them. He says, I know your works. I, I know why you're doing what you are doing, and, and behold, I have set before thee an open door. And no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. And so now here he says that word, behold, that, that's emphatic. He's wanting you to pay attention, okay? He's wanting them to understand that, that this is important to him and ought to be important to us. And he says, and I have set before you an open door. This is an open door ministry, and, and I can't but help think of the open doors of ministry that God has given us, and one of those greatest open doors of ministry that he's given to us, and we step through that, is serving our community through the funerals that we're doing. I mean, it, 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 um, it wasn't what we thought that God would do in our, in our ministry, but uh, several years ago, he's opened that door, and we have followed that, and, and God has, has blessed that, and it, it allows our community to see the true love that Christ has by watching people in this community serve him for no other reason than they just love him. And, and I so appreciate that, and, and I know it gets wearing. I'll tell you what, this week, th this week was, was a drag on the energy. I, I mean, I... Uh, Wednesday night, I, I, there's a there's a tired like yesterday. I I found out I'm really fat and out of shape. I was out digging around in our in our garden and tore out some wood and you know and trying and you know I I am getting smarter though, Mitch, as I get older. And I thought about well, I could pull those boards out with a little pry bar, and I thought why do that when I got a big bar? 
so you carry the big bar, and it don't take much persuasion to get those things out of there. But that bar's kind of heavy, and the dirt's obviously heavy. And, and, and uh, well, I'm, I had to take some ibuprofen last night. And so, but, you know, there's a tired from doing that. But there's also a tired that when, when we finally got home Wednesday night, after I had been here from 6 in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon, went home, changed clothes, came back to church that night, got home at 9 o'clock. And you're just tired in a total different way. And you guys understand that. You've been there. And, it, and it's, uh, it's draining on you. And, and, but God has given us that open door. And I do believe that we need to continue to go through that and allow God to use us, and, and God has, has done so in some great ways. Whether, whether those people ever come and, and come in and worship with us, that's up to God. But it gives us an opportunity to, to plant the seed and see God do something. And he does bring those along that, that have come because of that and understand that that love is genuine and, and how we want to keep it that way. And, and so here, I have set before thee an open door. So they had an open door ministry. I don't, I don't know what it was. I, I don't know what, what the ministry was that they were doing, but they were in that city and, and they were ministering. And, and, and it tells us that how they were doing that. And he, and he shows us in this open door that he says, first of all, no man's going to shut it. If we are doing what God wants us to do, then he will continue to keep it open. And, and why has he done that? He said, even though you have a little strength, and, and, it, and it might be that, yes, they're worn out, you know, because of the persecution that comes from the Jews and, and, and the rest of the world. I mean, uh, Dionysus was the, the, god of that, uh, the god of vegetation that they all worshipped in that area. So they were dealing with cults. They were dealing with the Jewish traditions. And I mean, they were dealing with much of what we deal with today, and but somewhat more violent than what we had to deal with. And, and they probably, many of them, had lost their jobs and lost their homes because of their faith. And, and so, yeah, they, they were probably tired. They were drained, and they, were, uh, they, they had fewer resources than some of the other. And they had little strength, that, but it didn't give them a reason to walk away from God, but it says that they kept my word. They guarded the word of God and they, they applied the word of God and they applied everything that they could to not only their lives, but in reaching their city for the Messiah and has not denied my name. Oh, how important it is that never let us be untrue to the word of God and to our Savior. Let us be true and faithful to him in how we serve and what we do, and, and whenever we do make some bad choices and God convicts us of that, don't sweep it under the rug, but go to, go to God open-hearted and transparent with Him and confess that and get it right and then do better and continue to do the battle that you ought to and being the kind of person that God is wanting you to be and, and never in this lifetime let us deny the name of Jesus and let us not do that with our mouth let us not do that in our actions and the things that we do, but let us be faithful and honorable to God. And then he goes on, and, and in this commendation, we see, we see the judgment of those who stand against them. And, and he says here, you, you've kept my word. You have not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. Wow. Can you imagine? I, I, I mean, you, you are, there, there are those that, claimed to be Jews, and, and he called them the a synagogue of Satan. You know, this wasn't the first time that he'd done so. He, in, in chapter 2 and verse 9, he called them the synagogue of Satan. And so uh, uh, we, we uh, understand that God isn't impressed with, with traditional religion. He's all about Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the gospel being his death, his burial, his resurrection. Why would Jesus do that? Because he died for the sins of the world. And, and God is holy. God is perfect. God is righteous. And God cannot be in the very presence of sin itself. And so knowing that, understanding that before we were ever created, knowing what we were going to do, that he had that plan already uh, 
uh, designated, and then on that day when Jesus came in the flesh, and then he lived those 30 years and then died on that cross, paving the way that whosoever will call on the name of Jesus, trusting in who he is, that he's the Savior, he's the one that died for you, he's the one that cleanses you of your sin, and when you call on him and trust him, then he'll give you eternal life and and live for him, and, and you don't live for him because somebody sets out a bunch of rules and this is what you must do in order to be holy. You live that way because you love him for what he's done for you. He died for us. I mean, and, and if you by faith have called on and trusted him, then, then he's given you eternal life. And so we owe him everything that we have every morning that we wake up and we have breath in our lungs and our mind is able to function and we are able to go out into the world today. That's all because of the grace of God. Oh, how we ought to give him honor and glory for all of that. And, and here these guys so stuck in their rules and, and all of their laws. And, and they had denied the very saving notion of Jesus being the Savior. And, and in some arrogant place had placed themselves above Jesus and thought that they could get their way to heaven because of how good they are. And all God calls them is the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not. But do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we think about Israel today and, and we think about Jews today. And the real Jews in God's eyes are those that have realized and understood that Jesus is the Messiah. And they need to call and trust on the Messiah who is Jesus Christ himself. Those are the ones that he sees as the nation of Israel. Those in the Old Testament that had followed him by faith. Those in the Old Testament that realized and, and saw that there was a Messiah to come and realizing that all of those sacrifices that they were making and the feast that they were celebrating, that all of that was pointing them to the Messiah. And so they were doing so and, and, and worshiping him and giving of those things and the understanding that that was all for that Messiah that was being pictured in all of that. And so by faith, they were trusting in that one that was still yet to come. And, and now today we are worshiping the one that has come and who has hung on the cross and who has made that sacrifice sufficient. And, and so we see that all of that, we are calling on him and trusting in him. And, and it's those Jews that have realized that those are the Jewish nation. Interesting, isn't it? And it tells us that there will be many Jews saved. They'll realize and understand the Messiah, but many it will be too late. He says, but here they are. They say they're Jews, but they're not, and they lie. And he says there's going to come a day when they're going to fall on their knees, when their tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they're going to do it at the very feet of those who had been telling them the truth the whole time. Isn't that interesting to see? Oh, they're not going to come to worship the church at Philadelphia, but they're going to fall at the feet of those and, be, and have to admit that that church was right in their celebration of Jesus. You know what? The world is going to come to that same point. And they're going to come to the realization, and it'll be too late for them, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And they should have listened to him. And so, you know what we need to do? We just need to keep telling people about him, because there will be those who will listen. And so he tells us that I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. And why? Because they show their proof of salvation, he says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. Boy, isn't it? We think about the word of God today and, and, and we think about all the things that he has shown us and told us about, about who he is and about what we ought to do. And, and we take this word and you know what I catch myself doing? I'll read this and, and I'll see this and I'm like, oh Lord, I, I need to be doing this. And, and so you start doing that and then Pretty soon your flesh gets in the way, your mind gets in the way, temptations come along, and pretty soon you're veering out into left field. And then God is going out there and, and through conviction and, 
through different situations, bringing us back where we need to be? Is not his word the word of patience? Is it not a, a steadfast and, and enduring word that, that takes us and, and brings us back and, and helps keep us where we ought to be all the time? And here he says that you have kept the word of my patience. And I also will keep thee. I love this promise. See, he says, I will keep thee. I will guard thee. I'll pay attention. And I know all of you. I just read in my devotions yesterday, John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice, and, and I know them, and they know me, and they follow me, right? He knows all of us. And he says, and I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. You know, when I get into Revelation, I always have everybody start giving me all these ideas of, you know, about this or about that. And, and, and the big movement today, it seems more so that there are those that, that, look, I don't see how you deny this. God said, I will keep you from what? What did he say? He said, I will keep thee from the hour of the temptation, the great temptation, the great trial. Well, what great trial will that be? The tribulation. God is going to keep his believers from that. Why on earth would God allow us to go through a judgment for unbelievers, and why would he let the, the believers go through something like that? I don't believe it. I don't, you know, people try to send me books and guys on TV and stuff talking about mid-trib, post-trib, all millennial. I'm, I'm all kinds of crazy stuff out there. And may I tell you that, that God has promised that, that if you trust him as your savior, the next thing to take place is the rapture and you will be out of here. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. We're gone. We're not going to be a part of this. And thank you, Lord, for that wonderful promise that you give me. And so if you want to stay, go ahead. I'm not. I don't want any part of it. I don't want to see 200-pound hailstones coming down on the heads of people. I don't want to see the great locusts that are going out there killing people. I, I don't want to see the, the, the bloody battles that are going to be taking place and the ungodliness. It's bad enough now. I can't imagine when the Holy Spirit is gone how wicked this place will be. And here he tells us that we just need to trust him and he will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. You know, two choices, really. You can either believe the truth or believe a lie. If you believe the truth, you're going to understand the gospel is for you, and you need to call on Jesus to be your Savior. If you have done that, then you need to know that you are safe and secure in the promises of God, and he has saved you. He'll do what he says he'll do. He doesn't back down on that. He doesn't put special clauses in that, that if you break this clause or that clause, that, that you're going to lose the promises that he's given you. When you call upon Jesus to be your Savior, he saves you, and he will be true to his word forever. And so you can believe the truth or you can believe the lie. And if you want to continue to believe the lie that you are believing now, you'll continue to believe it even during the tribulation period. And one day you'll spend an eternity in a place called hell, completely separated from everyone, including God. And it'll be a place where the fire never is quenched, a place where the worm will continue to gnaw at you for all eternity. And why? Do you think God did that on purpose? No, he did not create that for you. He created that for those angels that, that he had created and, and they had turned on him and, and he created that place as a place of judgment for the angels. But however, those who do not trust Jesus as their savior, you want to be out of the presence of God, then the only place that he has is in hell. And that's where you will be. And it won't be anybody's choice but your own. So either believe the truth and understand that you are a sinner just like all of us. Quit believing the lies of the evolution. Quit believing the lies of the humanistic God worship of yourself. And, 
quit believing the whatever the other lies that may be out there and think that none of this makes sense. And by faith, you trust in the saving in the saving work of Jesus Christ, and He will save you. And forget about the logic. Forget about the unsaved scientists that are trying to disprove something that they'll never be able to disprove. And trust in the very truth of God's word, and call on Jesus to be your Savior. Otherwise. I'm, I'm telling you, God is patient because God doesn't want you to spend an eternity in hell. But there will come a day. And that hour of temptation will be a judgment upon the world, all the world, to try them that dwell on the earth. And you need to understand something, too. I was talking to Brian this morning, one of his friends, 55 years old, sat down in his chair not feeling well and and. Called the hospital, got to the hospital, and two hours later died. 55. He says, behold, I come quickly. You, you might think, well, I'll give some thought and I'll ponder this. No. No, you don't know that you even have to the rest of the day. You don't know if you have tomorrow. We, we listen to Hollywood and watch Hollywood, and these guys, you know, it takes them, you know, Hours to die of being shot 17 times in the chest. Well, and they still are able to say their goodbyes before they die. Doesn't usually happen, anything like that. And here he says, behold, I come quickly. You ever give them thought? Maybe today is the day of the rapture. And so what do you do? Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. You know what? You need to hang on fast to what you have. I remember, I remember one time, uh, uh, my grandpa is dead now, so uh, he's he's not listening to this. So we we were in the barn lot. Scott Wilson's our neighbor, and he came up, and and uh, we decided that we needed to harass a couple of those 500-pound calves that were in the barn lot. And my grandpa, he was always a stickler, gripe at us, said. Don't get the calves hot. You know, he said the same thing about us riding the pigs, you know. And, and I, I don't know why he's, he's so cantankerous about those things, but I, I remember this. We had these ropes, and Scott had one, and we had this little pond out there in the in the barn lot. And you can imagine in the barn lot a pond, okay. This is in Missouri, and, and the only thing in that pond was moss and bullfrogs. And, I mean, we had some big old bullfrogs, you know, but, I don't know that you'd want to eat one. They're probably radioactive from all the manure. But anyway, uh, we, uh, we're we out there, and, and he ropes this calf. You know, I run him by him, and he's, he puts a loop on that calf. And we're not on horseback, mind you, and a 500-pound calf is actually pretty strong. We found that out. And, and Scott had a grasp on that rope and would not let go. I'm like, Scott, let go, let go. Guess where he went? Right through the pond. Well, Hanging on, you know. I mean, he just wouldn't let go. He finally did let go, but you think about hanging on to something here. And I, I, I remember baptizing a little girl one time, and we got her into the baptistry and scared to death, and and, and you know, hugging your neck, and you come in like, you know, and and put them under the water, and 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 I think of that grasping here, and and that's that hold that fast, which thou hast. What is it that you have? Really, it's, it's your faith. And it's the preaching and teaching and the responsibility we have to tell people about Jesus. Hold that fast. Don't, don't lose track of that. Don't, don't, you know, we need to understand that, that all the things that we do and the ministries that we have, you know, reaching out into this community and things that we're doing uh, for, for those in our church. Why do we do those things? It's to bring honor and glory to God in all of that. And hold fast to that and hold fast to your faith. And, you know, I, I had a conversation this week with a gentleman, too. And, and, hey, I get it. I understand. He told me, he said, you know, he, he uh, was, I was part of a church, and he said, I've never, I've never lost my faith. And, and I'm glad for that. You've just kind of turned away from your obedience, okay? Because what, what he did was he said, I just got tired of the hypocrisy of, of those in the church. Can I tell you something? That's a fact that 
if, if we don't confess those things quickly, we're all hypocrites. You understand that? Because none of us are perfect in our behavior. The, the hypocrite is the one that does those things and tries to hide it and cover it up. You know, that, that's what hypocrisy, the, the New Testament word, means to be two-faced. Okay? Put a mask on. That's what hypocrisy means. You put a mask on and you really aren't what you say you are. And, and, and really, we're, we're, we can all be that. And, and, and I'm, I'm just saying that, that we, we need to understand. He says that no man take away your crown. You know, hold fast to the truth of God's word. We confess things quickly, and we don't let anyone rob us of what we ought to be doing for God. Don't don't let a hypocrite cause you to be disobedient to the will of God. For any of us. For any of us. I gave you that testimony years ago when years ago we had a pretty major split in in our church family and 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 uh got through that everything was was going well and then one family came in on a sunday morning and walked out and, and i and i and i'm ashamed to say that because of that one person leaving that i almost quit the ministry that god called me to not that man and i almost let someone get to the point in my life to completely, disastrously impact my family. Well, I never want to do that again. Never do I want someone to challenge me to the point where, where I let what I think of them and what they think of me to matter more than what God thinks. You need to be the same way. You know what? There probably are hypocrites in our church family at times. That gives us absolutely no reason to stop serving God and being obedient to who he is and what his word has to say. Uh, otherwise, I would have quit a long time time ago too. You know, the scary thing is, you guys know this, I know a lot of your secrets. You know why? I still love you. And you know why? Because God still loves you. And God wants us to do things right. And so here we goes on, and, and he says that I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Don't let anyone get to that point in your life. Him that overcometh. Who is it? Who's the one that overcomes? Is he the one that battles through all of this? Is he the one that, that, that uh, takes those strong stands, and he's the only one that overcomes? Well, Remember what he said in John chapter 5, 1 John 5 and verse 5. I've read it, read it every time we come to this. Who is he that overcometh the world? God answers it himself. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Our faith. It's not our works. It's our faith. We overcome by our faith. And guess what? If you are a believer today... You will, be, you will overcome and be rejoicing in that. And him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Remember, I told you they dealt with a lot of tremors in their city and, and, and all of these tremors, you know, that destroyed all of these cities around them. And they were constantly reminded uh, uh, of the unsubtleties of the day and, and of the uncertainties of the day and, and all of these challenges that might come. And, he, and here he is, he's reminding them that no matter what comes, even the hardest and craziest of earthquakes, you can stand and you will overcome by knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall no more go out. He will never, ever leave the gates of heaven through the power of God. Why do I know that? Because I'm a child of God, and I will write upon him the name of my God. And so we have that written upon us, showing us that we're God's child, and we're a permanent resident of God's city in the name of the city of my God, which is in the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And, and so here, knowing we're a resident of, the, of the, the God's city, and then also knowing that our Savior is Jesus, and I will write upon him my new name, Jesus' name. 
will be upon our foreheads. I don't know. This is kind of an easy choice for me. Marky B, the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have the name of Jesus than the Marky B. I'm just, I'm, my faith is settled in the saving work of Jesus. Is yours? I, I pray that it is. If it isn't, settle it today by faith. Trust in him. Faith is trusting in something you can't see. Faith is trusting in something that's more powerful than you. And God is by far more powerful than all of us. And he saves us. I love it. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You know that's a command? You know what he's saying? Pay attention. Don't shrug it off. Don't think that you have tomorrow. Be ready today. Maybe today is the day that we see our Savior face to face. Are you ready? Well, I pray that you are. If you aren't, well, let's get ready. Right here, today, settle it. Call on Jesus. Trust him as your Savior. Let him take away the burdens of your sin and all of that junk that's been burdening and, and holding you down this whole time in your life. Just give it to him, and, uh, and you'll find that as you change your mind about Jesus and you change your mind about your sinful self and you change your mind in, in what he has done, that you'll find out he'll give you a brand new life, one of forgiveness, one of love, one of joy, and we can rejoice in the day when he comes back and let us be the church family that he will commend like the church of Philadelphia. Let us always be a church of brotherly love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I pray your blessings upon us. I pray you stir in the hearts of each one who's here. And Father, I pray that you will be honored and glorified in all that we do. Let us go through the open doors of ministry and understanding as you open them that you're the one that will keep it open and no man can close that. And so, Father, we just continue to serve you and hold fast to those things that you have taught us. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us as a church family to see the fruit of that. I pray you bless us and guide us and stir in the hearts of each one who's here. And, Lord, for the, that one that's sitting here that doesn't know you, Lord, today they would call on you by faith, trusting you as their Savior finding the forgiveness of their sins and finding eternal life is promised through our Savior. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to give you that opportunity. You can sit in your you you can sit right where you are and deal with God. You can come forward. We'll have someone answer any questions you have. You can pray at the altar. Whatever you want to do, you can just make sure that you have things right before you leave here today. Let us be that church of Philadelphia and, and find God's blessings on our lives. My Jesus, I love thee. Uh, number 666 in the hymnal. Let's all stand as we sing that first verse. My Jesus, I love thee. So good to see each one of you out. We'll be back again tonight, 5 o'clock. Dane is preaching. He was sharing a little bit of his message with me earlier today. Uh, look forward to it. It's going to be a great message. And uh, love to see you here at 5 o'clock tonight. Don't forget, next Sunday, old-fashioned Sunday, uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, this Tuesday also, there is decorating, correct, Tuesday here at the church. Uh, either at, is it 2 o'clock? Is it 6 o'clock? Two o'clock or in the afternoon or six o'clock in the evening, you want to come and, and help get things ready for VBS, that would be great. 
Uh, good to see everybody. God bless you guys. Let's have a great day today. I'll see you tonight. You're dismissed.